0: This week, um, we are going to, you guys know me, sorry, I've got the props and the things. I have kind of haven't done props in a while, so I felt like we got to kind of make up this week, okay? And so I built this, and don't be distracted. It took me 30 seconds. Don't be disappointed with the way it looks. Um, it does have a purpose behind it, um, but I'll try to keep you entertained so you don't get distracted. All right, so this morning, we're going to do uh, a little fun game. How many of you guys are good at acronyms? Is anybody good at acronyms in here? Anybody at all? Raise your hand. Let me see. Okay, one, two. Uh, my wife. Okay, all right. My wife's fairly good. How about texting acronyms? You know what those are? Where people kind of do texting. I know some of you are better at that than regular. So we're going to do like, we're going to go easy, medium, and then harder. We're not going to do the hardest because I don't think we can handle it in here. So we're going to, and I want you guys to shout out what it means, okay? What you think it means. And we'll see how everybody does. Is everybody ready? Okay, here's the first one. First one is LOL, laugh out, laugh out loud, good. Everybody did pretty good, right? Give yourselves a hand clap. All right, uh, here we go. Uh, next one, IDK, I don't know. Some of you are like, I don't know. Uh, next one is OMG, oh my goodness, Yep, the Christian said oh my goodness, good. Uh, YW, you're welcome, yup, uh, BFF, Yep. How'd we do so far? Did everybody get them so far? Okay. We're going to go medium. We're going to go medium. Here we go. Ready? Good. To be honest. Yep. Uh, Next is shaking my head. You're shaking your head right now. Yep. Uh, TMI. Some of you use that too much and you do give out too much information. Uh, Here we go. NBD. No No big deal. Right. Last one is Man, we're getting good. All right. Uh, Harder. We're going to start up with the harder. Here we go. First one. Rolling on the floor laughing. I used to think that was a cuss word, so I was always nervous about that one, right? Like when people think, like, what does that mean? Anyways, all right. MYOB. Mind your own beeswax. Yep, if you're from the 90s. Here we go. YOLO. You only live once. Some of you need to stop living so much, all right? Here we go, in case you missed it, some of you are figuring out as we go, good. And the last one is, what, in my honest opinion. I would say humble, because I'm humble, right? Um, That was good. Uh, Now some of you, um, how many, wait, before I ask, how many of you got them all? Anybody got them all, whoa, yeah, good job. If you have children, you should learn those things. That's code, okay, they get away with all sorts of things. Um, How many of you would have gotten an F on that test? Anybody? Yeah, there we go, own it. I like it, that F means fail if you don't know, all right? So one of the most famous acronyms from the 90s everybody knows was WWJD, which means? Good, good, we're doing good, see, we're on a roll. Um, so if you don't know the history, I want to give you the history. The history uh, was originally the first person that came up with that most famous, at least we can track back, was Charles Spurgeon. Everybody knows who he is, if you know anything about famous Christian sayings. Most, a lot of Christian sayings actually came from Spurgeon's messages. He was really good at, at making memorable phrases, right? Uh, a few years later, there was also a person named Charles Sheldon. I don't know if you know him as, a, as an author, but he wrote In His Steps, and he asked the question in one of his chapters, "What would Jesus do?" And the purpose of sheldon's book was to inspire people to a higher moral standard of living. all right then about a hundred years later, um, in the you know like 1980 to 90, uh, there was a youth group up in Michigan. I cannot remember the girl's name, but she also did the same phrase, and she came up with WWJD. She made bracelets. Everybody knows bracelets. Anybody have those bracelets back in the day? Did anybody have a WWJD? Everybody's nervous to answer, right? People were telling me before, before service they had them. Now they're like, I don't know if I want to tell people in here. Um, t-shirts, they had everything, right? Um, and, you know, 20 years later, uh, people are still asking the question, what would Jesus do? Um, and I think asking the question of what would Jesus do is really the easy part, right? Answering the question is kind of another matter. Um, something you may not know about me, okay, I'm gonna, I'm gonna reveal something to you, but when I was a teenager, I struggled resisting uh, dares. Is anybody like that, where I dare you to do something and then they do it? Everybody's responsible other than me, I'm the only crazy one. Um, I remember being a teenager, I'm gonna kinda tell on myself, I usually tell on other people, I tell myself, Um, 17ish, I remember, Um, we were out camping with a bunch of guys and uh, there was a bunch of alligators on the side of the water, right? And one of my friends dared me, I dare you to try and catch that alligator, okay? Now, like I said, unfortunately, I am that person that when you dare me, I don't know how to say no. As an adult, I've gotten better, I have resisted things. Uh, I don't dare the young people to do anything in case you're wondering that, right? So we walked over to this alligator. I didn't know what to do. I'm not an alligator capturer, so I just put my foot on the alligator's head, okay? Because I know that's the dangerous part, right? They're gonna bite, they're gonna attack. So I put my, and and you know what an alligator would do if you put your foot on its head is it starts freaking out, okay? The tail's wagging all over the place. So the other three guys decide they're gonna grab the tail, all right? So everybody's going like this all over the place till the alligator gets mad enough and he and then he throws all three of them off, and I'm still stuck here with my foot on the alligator's head, okay? I don't know what to do, so I just run and get away from the alligator. The alligator thankfully goes into the water. On the same trip, I know you wouldn't think that stupid things could happen in one trip, but with me, they do, and so I'm on the same trip, we're out in the middle of a cow pasture, and there's a bull, okay, in the cow pasture, and somebody says, I dare you to pet that bull. Okay, so I get out of the back of the truck. I walk over. It's an older cow, you know, bull. And so I'm like, I'm sure he's fine. He's got those Texas Longhorn type horns, right? I get pretty close. He seems kind of docile, right? And I get over and I go to pet the head of the bull, right? Like everybody would do when you get dared, right? And so I go to pet it and it's fine. It's doing fine. And then all of a sudden it just decides to kind of take its head and just kind of go like this. And like it just barely missed, ripped my shirt, right? took off, and then I climbed back in the truck, and I decided, please, guys, stop daring me to do things, all right? It's really their fault, it's not mine. (laughs) Um, So I tell you that to say that I did do some things. Do I tell these stories to the young people? Not as much, all right? Um, But I did do some things, and is it important for people to know what I did as a child? Not necessarily, okay? Um, Situationally, as important as it is to to know what Jesus did, it's just as important to know if we're really to do the things that he did. Like, um, WWJD, is it literal or is it figurative? Are we to try and look like him? Are we to try and be like Jesus? And exactly what are we to do that he did? Do we all do the things that he did? First, we would have to get robes, right? And we would have to get sandals of some type, which I like flip-flops, okay? Uh, maybe Birkenstocks would be more appropriate. Then we'd have to get 12 people to follow us, all right? This is how you start this deal, all right? Then um, I would attempt some of his crazy stunts, okay? I would attempt to try and walk on water because I think that's really fun. That'd be the first thing that I would try to do that he would do, which I would fail miserably at. I would fail miserably at walking on water, just to let you know I can't even flow, much less walk on water okay? The second thing I would be, you know, maybe challenged to do was to wash people's feet. You guys know Jesus washed people's feet? I'm not going to wash anybody's feet, okay? I don't like giving people pedicures. I don't like people touching my feet, all right? Anybody else like that in here? No, don't touch my feet, okay? Um, So I'm going to fail at that. Uh, Another, the third thing would be to feed 5,000 people, twice, okay? Okay? We're probably going to fail at that as well. At least I will. I can't even make a piece of toast, right, without burning it. I can make a mean toaster strudel, right? I can get that strudel all over and feed it to the kids, and they will survive for at least two days while my wife's out of town. Other than that, I'm in trouble. So in some ways, attempting the things that Jesus did sounds like a disaster, doesn't it? When I try to live like Jesus, right? This is uh, from um, this is a person I found online, Jonas Ellison. Uh, he said, "When I try to live like Jesus, I turn into my worst self. But when I live as being loved by Jesus, even on my worst day, I'm restored time and time again." My pastor in Arizona, he used to say, "It is impossible to live the Christian life. It's impossible." In other words, Jesus wasn't playing the Simon Says game. Everybody know the Simon Says game, right? He didn't come so that we can duplicate everything that he did. He wasn't on earth to be mankind's ultimate role model. Now, I know some of you are, you know, not going to get rid of your WWJD uh, bracelets and shirts and all that. And that's not my encouragement for today. Okay, I'm not trying to discourage people about looking at Jesus and thinking, man, that was a good example to mankind, because it was. He did some amazing things, but the question I'm asking today is, are we expected to do those same things? Let's not take my word for it, though. I wanna go and, and look at some of the things that Jesus said. I think sometimes that's super important to go look at the person. If we're supposed to mimic him, if we're supposed to do what he did, then let's see what he said. So in Matthew 5, 17, It says, Don't misunderstand why I have come. I did not come to abolish the law of Moses or the writings of the prophets. No, I came to accomplish their purpose. So I want to kind of break down some things I see just in this verse alone, and we'll do that throughout the whole service. But the first thing I see that Jesus is telling us is don't misunderstand. Don't misunderstand. Have you guys ever had misunderstandings before? Anybody ever had like a misunderstanding where you didn't understand what somebody was saying? I know constantly, I'm, usually I'm getting in trouble by my wife because I, did you say what you were supposed to say? Did you get it all out? Did you say the right things, right? And I, I think misunderstandings happen more often than we realize. Proverbs 4, 7, right? proverbs 4 7 it says wisdom is the principal thing therefore get wisdom and in all your getting get understanding and all our getting to get understanding is is encouraged and one of the first things jesus says is don't misunderstand right um, how many of you guys like ice cream anybody like ice cream in here Uh, I don't have ice cream in here right now. I know you're like, is he gonna throw it to one of us? No. Um, One of my favorite ice creams is Ben & Jerry's ice cream. Um, I could not find it on the shelf. I was really upset. But does everybody know uh, the ice cream Ben & Jerry's uh, Chunky Monkey? Does everybody know that that ice cream? You had it last night? I I could not find it. Yeah, you took the last one on the shelf. If you could bring me the case. Oh, no, I'm just kidding. Um, that ice cream, when I was, I was introduced to it when I was 15. Okay, we were on the soccer team, and we were told that uh, you need to eat bananas before you play a soccer game, okay? So one of my buddies was like, hey, there's bananas in Chunky Monkey ice cream. <laughs> so we would go to 7-Eleven, and we would buy all the Chunky Monkey ice cream off the shelf, right? And we would take it back, and we would eat tons of ice cream before the game. Now, we were always confused why it never helped us with getting cramps and running all the time. We could never figure it out, but we just decided if we eat more ice cream, maybe that'll fix the problem, okay? We saw the ingredients in there and we read it wrong. We had a misunderstanding. Uh, Something you also might not know about that specific flavor of ice cream is Ben and Jerry, they they were pretty good at marketing, right? And in the 80s and 90s, their their business was growing rapidly, and one of the things that they did um, is they wanted to move overseas, okay? And when they moved overseas, one of the countries that was really struggling was Japan. Okay, Japan was having a really hard time with specifically that flavor ice cream. Okay, and they couldn't figure it out, so they went over there, they talked to the marketing person, and they were like, why is this ice cream not selling? And one of the things that they, they found is that the translation was not the same as it was in English. And so in Japanese, it translated to chunks of monkey, <laughs> right? And they were confused. They're like, why isn't this selling? Oh, well, that kind of makes sense. And so uh, they changed the name. They adjusted it to where it actually that you could understand what it was saying and that it wasn't chunks of monkey, that it was chunky monkey, right? Which is where it was supposed to be. Um, And all of a sudden, the sales did better, okay? Um, And that's what I would say about um, misunderstandings. Jesus didn't arrive to teach us how to live right or how to please God or how to be a true follower of Christ. In one sense, yes. That would be amazing if we could all live just like Jesus, but we just can't do it. Jesus had to say, don't misunderstand back then. How much more important is it for us to understand the same things he was saying back then? Matthew five 17, let's go back to that verse. It says, don't misunderstand why I have come. I did not come to abolish the law of Moses or the writings of the prophets, right? And then it said, in all our getting, Get understanding. You guys remember that in Proverbs? We just read it a couple minutes ago. So the first thing I see that Jesus is trying to tell us is he said, first, don't misunderstand. The second thing he's saying, now understand why I didn't come here, right? I did not come to abolish the law of Moses or the writings of the prophets. A lot of people think that. A lot of people think that that's why Jesus came. We read a couple weeks ago that he came to abolish sin Right? He came to abolish and destroy sin, but here Jesus is saying, I didn't come to abolish the law. I didn't come to destroy it. Um, I want to quote, you guys know John three sixteen. It says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. And my favorite, one of my favorite verses is verse 17, where it says that he, he sent not his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the whole world might be saved through him. Understand, Jesus didn't come here to condemn the world. He did not come. If he came to show us how to live according to the law, look, he, we weren't even close to being able to reach what the law would require from us. Right? And if he were to come to tell us all the things that we were to do, that would condemn the world even more. The second thing I see there is to destroy the law and the writings of the prophets. In fact, what he, he did, okay, because this is where this illustration's gonna play in, is he, met, he set the bar, right? So here's like maybe where the Mosaic Law was, okay? Everybody knows the Mosaic Law. I think it has over 600 laws at least, right? And so there was X amount of laws that were already in place. And the Pharisees were doing everything that they could to try and reach those laws. Um, but Jesus didn't come to just say, well, that's good, and I'm just gonna you know, set it higher so that you can reach it, right? Um, speaking of acronyms, everybody knows the acronym, uh, well, people try to use it. Everybody knows Bible, right? Basic Instructions Before Leaving Earth. Does everybody know that song? Am I the only one from the 90s? I know I'm bringing a lot of 90s things out here. But it wasn't Basic Instructions Before Leaving Earth. And as we continue reading in Matthew, I'm going to encourage you to go read Matthew because I'm not going to go through it with you. But it was never meant to be an instruction manual of do's and don'ts. But actually it was a list of never wills you never will reach, you will never be able to accomplish the law. And then even the things that Jesus talked about, you're never going to be able to do those things as well. And the reason why he had to say that was because he knew that people were trying. He knew that the Pharisees were attempting to do those things. Uh, back to Matthew 5, 18, it says, I tell you the truth, until heaven and earth disappear, not even the smallest detail of God's law will disappear until its purpose is achieved. So if you ignore it, the least commandment, and teach others to do the same. You will be called the least in the kingdom of heaven. But anyone who obeys the God's laws and teaches them, they will be called great in the kingdom of heaven. What you may not understand about the law is it's a one-and-done kind of deal. Um, anybody remember uh, the traffic lights? Like when you go through a light, I think there's still some in Orlando, aren't there, y'all? Like where you go through the light and it, it checks your speed, and if you run through the light, you get a ticket. Everybody knows these, right? they were kind of taken off years ago when we were out in Arizona, and I was kind of uh, accidentally going through them, and I was speeding sometimes, and I'm not a speeder. Like, most of you that know me and my driving skills, I'm like 10 miles from the speed limit all the time, okay? But I was driving through these, and uh, one of them I drove through, I remember it was, a, uh, it was 25, and somehow I was going 36, and I think they send it to you if it's or I'm sorry, uh, 31. I think they send it to you if it's like six miles over the speed limit, okay? And what they have to do is they don't, you know, you don't get a ticket right then and there. Actually, someone has to come issue your ticket, right? And I remember being afraid to answer the door. Anybody, uh, I know I'm telling myself, I was afraid to answer the door. Anytime the doorbell would ring, I'm like, man, that's going to be the ticket. Oh, shoot. And uh, there was a point in time where um, they actually laid it in my garage, okay? I had my garage door open because they knew that I was avoiding the ticket, okay? I did not want the ticket. And the reason why I knew that is there was no discussion with those people, okay? There was not a conversation. There wasn't like, hey, I'm sorry, I didn't know this area. It's not like how it is with a police officer when you get to talk to them sometimes. Sorry to know this area, or hey, I was in a hurry to get to, to a place. No, the law was the law. And that's how uh, these laws are uh, uh, biblically, is it's a one and done. There's no negotiations. If you break one, you broke them all. Verse 20, it says, but I warn you, unless your righteousness is better than the righteousness of the teachers of, re- of the religious law and the Pharisees, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. I love this because he said Pharisees, and you know that the Pharisees were like, hey, he said our name, and that nobody can enter the kingdom of heaven if, uh, if they don't go past our righteousness, right? But he was also including them in that. I'm not gonna read the rest of this chapter, but over and over and over again, he said, you have heard it was said, and he quotes six different times from, from the Old Testament, mentioning Like, you have heard that it was said about, and he would talk about murder, right? And murder was a certain level, okay, right? And then what he talked about there was, but I say unto you, then he talked about adultery, right? He said, you have heard this about adultery, but I say to you, and then he would step it up again, right? Gotta make sure that my prop doesn't fall. Then he talked about divorce, and he talked about swearing, talked about vengeance, and then he got all the way down to even loving your neighbor as a law, right? And after each one of these, he he would say, but I say unto you. And he was stepping it up over and over and over. Now with the youth, I had the youth climb over this, so we're not going to do that, right? Um, But he was stepping it up over and over again. Not so much that the Pharisees were thinking, oh man, I can climb over that, but more, more or less trying to show them that they will never be able to climb over that. They will never be able to reach for that. He wasn't trying to make it easier, but he was trying to make it harder. I remember Matthew 5:44 memorizing that, and that was really the one, that was, that was kind of the one that, that got me, but Matthew 5:44, it says, but I say to you, love your enemies, do good to them that hate you, and pray for those who despitefully use you and persecute you. In that way, you will be acting as true children of your Father in heaven, for he gives his sunlight to, to both the evil and the good, and he sends rain on the just and the unjust alike. If you love only those who love you, what reward is there for that? Even corrupt tax collectors do that much. And if you are kind only to your friends, how are you different from anyone else? Even pagans do that. And this, this is the one that I felt like I memorized, but I say unto you, do good to them that hate you, pray for them which despitefully use you and persecute you and all that, right? And I kept, I kept memorizing that and thinking that, man, the more I would memorize that, the more I'm going to be able to love others. But I found it to be my Achilles heel only because it seemed like the more I would try to love people, I came up short. I struggled loving people that I was mad at or loving people that I couldn't forgive or loving people that were difficult to love. I really did struggle with that. Um, Anybody in here uh, right now struggling with loving people that are difficult to love, right? If you don't have your hand up, maybe you're the person that... uh, I know I, I, I find myself in that same place. But if you don't, if you look at 1 Corinthians 13, I even took that whole chapter. I remember it's the love chapter. So if you memorize that, man, you're going to be able to love other people's only realizing that, that that type of love, right, is actually God's love. It's not trying to tell us how we need to love other people, but actually learning more about how much God loves us. And you can't love the unlovable without his love. Jesus never commanded something he didn't supply. He never commanded something he didn't supply. For years, I would try and read more loving scriptures about loving others, never realizing about the one scripture where it says we love because he first loved us. We're not called to live like Jesus, but we are called to live loved by him. And when you live loved by your creator, you will accomplish all kinds of things. I remember when I was uh, in high school, we had an English class that on Monday, we were required to talk about our weekend, right? We were supposed to get up in front of the class, and we were to talk about our weekend. But I couldn't, that was part of half of our grade, and I couldn't get up in front of the crowd and talk about it, because I didn't know how much I was loved. I was afraid of what other people thought, and I was afraid of being able to stand up. And the moment I realized, a couple years later, moment I realized how much I was loved, that fear seemed to have gone away. I was able to not be afraid of what other people thought because I knew that I was loved. And when you live loved, you will live to love. You won't have to try to love, you will automatically love. And I love the, the inverse right here, Matthew 5, 48. It says, but you are to be perfect, and this is where he set the bar really, really high. He said, but you are to be perfect even as your Father in heaven is perfect. Jesus was playing opposite day, right? What always surprises me is that our flesh wants to take that dare, right? Like, we, we, we see the level that Jesus set it to, and we're like, well, I think I could do that. I think I could do all those things, plus the Mosaic Law. I'm pretty sure I could climb over this. I'm pretty sure I could do it. And that's what the flesh always does, is it always thinks, I I know I could. I, I dare you to, right? But if perfection were possible, then Jesus wouldn't have needed to come. If we could have attained that, if we could have actually been perfect, then Jesus wouldn't, as the perfect one, wouldn't have needed to come. Matthew 5, 17, it says, Don't misunderstand why I have come. I did not come to abolish the law of Moses or the writings of the prophets. And I love the last part of this verse. It says, No, I came to accomplish their purpose. And all are getting get understanding. Number one, don't misunderstand. Two, understand why he didn't come here. And number three, understand why he came. I came to accomplish their purpose. I came to fulfill their purpose, right? And he said, I came, not you. I came to fulfill that. You didn't need to come to fulfill the law. He did. It wasn't humanly, it was humanly impossible to accomplish the law. Romans 10, 4, it says, For Christ has already accomplished the purpose for which the law was given, and as a result, all who believe in him are made right with God. I came to fulfill their purpose. What was the purpose of the law? Romans 5, 20. It says, The law was brought in so that the trespass might increase, but where sin increased, grace increased all the more. The law came so that sin would increase. Grace came so that we would never have to ask, what would Jesus do? Jesus came to do the impossible. I love Luke 18:27. It says, the things which are impossible with men are possible with God. Do you want to know what's impossible with men? It's for us to fulfill the law, for us to climb over the level that the law required. In the Passion Translation, it says, Jesus responded, what appears humanly impossible is more than possible with God, for God can do what man cannot. And before you throw away all your what would Jesus do paraphernalia, right? Before we do that, I wanna ask that question. What would Jesus do if he were to come here today? What would Jesus do? He would tell you to not try and climb over the bar. He would try to tell you don't climb over the bar that I set, but he would tell us to walk under what he did, right? He climbed the bar so that we didn't have to. He's just saying walk under this. When you believe, when you have faith in who he is, you don't have to try and climb this level that is not possible. It's impossible. And that's why it says the things which are impossible with men are possible with God, under His love, under His protection. What would Jesus do? He would do whatever you're doing, right? If He's with us all the time, He would do the things that you're doing, He would live with you. That's why it says in Acts, it says that we live and move and act and have our being in Him, right? We're in Him, He's in us. And so, what would Jesus do? Whatever we're doing. If we're going out skiing, he's skiing with us, which we don't have too much skiing in Florida. If we're playing a basketball, he's with us. If we're playing golf, he's with us. If we're talking to a a friend or somebody that's not a friend, he's with us. What would Jesus do? He would, and he would love people. He would love people, but he wouldn't want us to climb over the ladder that he helped to build because he's the only one that could do it, amen? Let me pray for us and we're gonna dismiss, but God, we thank you for uh, your word. We thank you, God, for your love. Scripture says that we love because you first loved us. And so we trust, God, that you do love us. We lean into that. We don't have to do all of the things that everybody tells us that we have to do, God. We get to live and walk with you, God, and you speak to us. Your Holy Spirit shows us what things we're to do with our day. There's not a law, God, for that, but the law that you wrote on our hearts, God. We thank you for that love that's inside of us. Romans 5, 5, it says that the love of God was shed abroad in our hearts. And so we get to live loved every single day, knowing that you're with us. We honor you for that. In Jesus' name, everybody said amen.